Hi, everybody. Welcome again to another episode of the Shop Notes podcast. I'm your host, Phil, joined by Logan and John, welcoming in another new year and closing in on episode 100. On today's episode, we are going to discuss Frankenstein projects, those that rise from a collection of dead parts and somehow become a living, breathing item. So I hope you enjoy today's show. This episode of the Shop Notes podcast is brought to you by Woodsmith Magazine. Woodsmith Magazine has been the trusted source for all your woodworking information for over 40 years. From tips and techniques to furniture projects to shop projects, you'll find it all at Woodsmith Magazine. Subscribe today at woodsmith.com. I want to say thanks to everybody who listens and uh, wanted to share a comment from one of our readers or viewers from one of the recent shows. I thought this one was kind of interesting. So we had, let's see, where was that? I love making gifts to give away for Christmas, but I tend to give away everything that I make all year round. My friends and family always appreciate the gesture and never notice the little flaws that are inevitable in every project. I take pride in what I'm able to produce and sweat the details because I know I'm giving it away and want the best for my loved ones. And I get the green light when purchasing tools and shop toys because my wife sees the results that come out of the shop. I just don't tell her how much they cost. And then also, first try watching, as soon as I heard Ryobi last time watching. You guys can't be serious using that garbage. Let me guess, Craftsman Power Tools in the shop? Uh. Wow. So there you go. And let's be fair. He hasn't heard the Harbor I was Freight say, Somebody on Twitter <laughs> tweeted at us about me liking Harbor Freight over mm-hmm. Rockler, and I can't argue it. I thought it was fantastic. So yeah, you know, you know whatever. what? You can't you can't eat steak for every meal. Sometimes you got to eat a Big Mac. You know, you got to slum mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Right. So everything has yep. its place. So yeah. we're not we're not yep. snobs here. We'll use just about any tool. No. We don't care. Right. So for today's episode, as we started the new year, I wanted to talk to you guys about projects that you recently did and about your process and thoughts in putting them together. So we'll start with Logan and we'll put this in the show notes page so you can see what it is, but the cover project for the next issue of popular woodworking is a grill Island. Let's call it small yeah, continent. Yeah. Let's continent. call it like a outdoor kitchen without a sink. There we go. Without outdoor a sink, right? kitchen. Right. Yeah. So what, what I really thought was kind of interesting was to see where your design went from concept to completion. And if you wouldn't mind just kind of talking about that. Well, so yeah, I mean, let's be clear. I always know exactly how it's going to end up in my head. <laughs> so, I mean, <laughs> what's your head, Phil? Mm-hmm. I mean, so <laughs> I, I knew what I wanted the grill. It started as a grill cart. It was going to be a grill cart. And that was kind of the idea behind it because, I mean, yeah, it, it houses a grill. Um, but as I started kind of, you know, doing the napkin math and sketching it out and stuff, I'm like, okay, this thing's going to end up way bigger than I had planned on. Kind of, it migrated from 
grill cart to grill island to grill antarctica i mean it's huge right um right but that's fine because part of the narrative on it and part of the story that of course i have written the week before it goes to the printer of course right. yeah. uh is that it's fairly modular because it has four uh, four pairs of legs, let's call it. There's front legs, there's back legs, there's four of each. And in between each set of legs is a, you know, semi-modular unit. So one section is the, the grill holder. The next section is, on mine, a pull-out. Um, if you think of, like, a pull-out garbage can in your kitchen, it's a pull-out container for charcoal. And the next section is a pull-out uh, or a, a pair of double doors for storage uh, because it's a big green egg. It has a lot of accessories. It has like a smoking rack. It has a, a pizza stone. All that stuff I figured would go inside there and live in there along with other things I use on my deck like uh, bird seed and all, you know, fire starters for the, the grill and all that jazz. Um, so it was kind of one of those things that as I'm working on it, I'm kind of adding stuff and I'm kind of making some decisions on the fly and it's a little different than we do for Woodsmith because Woodsmith, we have designers like John that model everything in CAD programs on the computer. Uh, and you can kind of put the parts together to see how it's going to work, dimension it out, and kind of make decisions there versus for some of the pop wood stuff, we're kind of built and we're building it in photos. So I'm taking photos as I'm building this thing and some of these decisions are game time decisions. It's like, hey, you know what? I think that's going to be too big. We're lopping two inches off of it. So we lop two inches off of it. Um, right. So, you know, it's one of those things that did it turn out exactly how I was expecting? Yes. It's bigger than I planned on, but I made those decisions as I was building it. And I have room for it. And somebody right. could decide if they have room for it or not. Um so, yeah. yeah, I mean, it it was one of those things, you know, we've done almost 100 podcasts. I'm sure we've talked about this, but, like, the way we show building stuff in Popwood, in Woodsmith, in Shop Notes, in any of our magazines, it's not, that's not set in stone. It's, it's a good basis. It's a good foundation for somebody to take and build it themselves. And we fully expect and fully want somebody to customize it. it it's same thing with this grill cart. Like, Maybe somebody doesn't have a Kamado-style grill, which is like a big green egg. Maybe they have a, you know, two-burner Weber Genesis grill, but they want that extra work surface. Or maybe um, if people get the magazine, they'll see uh, on the, the cover photo, I have the, the grill sit in there, and then I also have one of my pizza, my pizza oven setting on top of it. Like maybe somebody wants a, a pizza oven cart for outside. Great. Yeah. That's what I want. I don't necessarily want somebody to build this verbatim. I want somebody to do exactly what I did as I was building it, have an idea, see my dimensions that I gave them and rework it, retool it and make it their own and make it fit for what they want. So. Yeah. I guess that's kind of what I wanted to to get from you is to see that, you know, because I know when you first started talking about it with us, you know, you wanted it as a cart, you could roll it around, 
you know, for wherever mm-hmm. it was going to live at your place. And that I think plays a big role in it is that you were envisioning it for a specific place, your house. Yep. So it had to suit certain needs that you had for that particular mm-hmm. unit. Like you wanted it to hold your Kamado grill. Um, ideally you wanted it to roll around, but when you start going off of, well, if I need this to hold the grill, it needs to be at least this wide and this deep. Yes. And then if I start add, and then when you say, now I want to have a charcoal hopper, because what's a grill like that without charcoal, without having to, you know, walk back into the garage to get it or whatever. And then you wanted a couple of extras, you know, then all of a sudden it's like, wow, this thing got a lot bigger than Yeah, well, and, and yes. And so there was that, you know, it's funny because you're right. Initially, I wanted this thing to roll. And looking at it, yeah. you know, hindsight, I'm like, what the heck was I thinking? Like, there's no way this thing's going to roll. It's huge. <laughs> now, that is because my grill happens to be pretty big. If you had a smaller grill, like if you had one of the, I don't, I don't know what the big green egg sizes are, but like the big green egg mini, I'm going to make that up. You know, it's fairly, sure. it's, it's much smaller than what, the one I have. Looking at yeah. the cart with my grill in it, I don't think I could have made it much smaller. You know, I mean, there's about five no. inches in front of the grill of, you know, top, and there's about five inches yeah. behind it, but that's taken up by the hinge as well. So I don't think I could have done it. And in my scenario where this grill outdoor kitchen is going to live, I have no need to move it. I don't need to roll it anywhere. So, right. but that's my scenario. Somebody else may have their grill in the garage and they want to be able to roll it out into the driveway to, to cook on it. In that instance, throw casters on it. Don't make it as big as I did. Make it smaller, but right. put casters on it. And then you can roll it in and out. So, you know, it's one of those things. It's yeah. just like, you got to tailor it. You got to take yeah. what we give you and run with it. Yeah. And I guess what I also liked about it kind of in hindsight, as I was looking at uh, how you built it, it's almost built like like a timber framed mm-hmm. barn. Yeah. In the sec in the sense that you have these frames that support you know the roof and then the you yep. know the sides of the barn and it's just those things I think they're called like yeah. bents. You know, so if you just keep adding bents then your barn That's gets longer. That's exactly what it you is. You know, in yep. the same way that your stand there is just a series of bents. So like, like you said, somebody doesn't have that grill, you pull it out, you can make a rectangular opening in it and drop in a big exactly. cooler. Mm-hmm. And now you have like a party central for, you know, buffets or, you know, put drawers mm-hmm. or doors on both sides of it, you know, just to. Oh, yeah, whatever. absolutely. Yeah. And that's and it's funny. I was <laughs> I I was kind of being facetious when I said it to you, Phil, the other day when we were both in the shop, I was in spraying this outdoor kitchen with. Uh, outdoor Danish oil, and uh, it's a new oil from a, a company called Nova. Um, that I really like it. I'm going to probably do a review on this oil because I, I found it very easy to use. But like, I yelled out, like, you know, the best thing about making an outdoor project is it doesn't have to be finished to the level of a furniture project, because you know dang well that after four months of sitting outside and getting rained on, it's going to be fuzzy anyways. So it's like. Sand it to 120 grit, call it good. Whereas, you know, my kitchen table I'm sitting at, I sand it up 600 grit. 
not going to do that to, yeah. to a piece of cedar. Um, and it was another one of those decisions I made initially. This is something else that changed from uh, concept to completion. Initially, I wanted to make the entire thing out of Iroko, um, which is what we did the top for this picnic table I have um, out here. Um, my couch that's out here on the deck is Ipe, no, Teak. Um, and Iroko is a, a pretty close substitute for Teak. Um, but the cost wasn't going to be that much more. It was more expensive to do it out of Iroko. Um, but what I liked about being able to do it out of cedar is you can just drive to Menards or Lowe's or Home Depot and you can buy cedar four by fours. So everything on the cart is, or I'm still calling it a cart. Everything on the outdoor kitchen is either cedar four by fours, cedar two by fours, cedar two by sixes, or cedar dog ear fence pickets. So it's all, you know, uh, construction grade lumber that's right um just happens to be cedar so and we've yeah. said it before working with softwoods is enjoyable Re yeah it's routing three quarter inch deep mortises in one pass with a half inch or three eighths inch bit oh nothing compares <laughs> <laughs> right now the project that i'm thinking about for you john that i'd like mm -hmm. you to talk about a little bit is um kind of the flagship project for what for most people is like the current issue of Woodsmith and it's a wall unit shelving system. Mm -hmm. And where Logan's doesn't necessarily say modular when you look at it until you see like the con internal construction of it, yours by definition is right. modular. Yeah. Yeah. It was interesting to hear Logan talk about the way he uh, kind of started with point a the start and had a vision of the finish and and uh then comparing that to the way we do things at woodsmith when we design it out and uh get the full in theory get full drawings to our builders and uh doing it that way which is kind of hard because it's like you have to have it all thought out on paper and worked out and you're handing it off to somebody else to build and you're not there to explain kind of the meaning of of different things but yeah, definitely when I'm building a project for myself, I do it the way Logan does, where it's like, I got point A and I got the finish at point B and it kind of is, it's not a straight line. It's kind of zigzags and circles <laughs> and kind of figure out as I go. But yeah, it's definitely di different drawing it all out first and handing it off to somebody else. But so yeah, so what you were talking about is uh, it's a modular, uh, I'd say kind of mid-century modern uh, wall shelving unit um, has... Uh, uprights, um, trying to think. If I had a, uprights yeah, that are touch attached the to the wall. wall. I think they're about four feet apart. Or no, wait, about 30, thirty-two inch. Thirty-two inches. inches. 32 I wrote the article, apart. John. Yes. Yeah. So Logan, Logan, correct <laughs> me. So in theory, those are hitting studs, but not necessarily because you don't know where studs are going to land on walls. Besides anyway, these three so. right here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's right. Hold on. Where's, where's our sound effects? Hold on. <laughs> oh. yes thank you for that so yeah so it's got uprights with uh t-nuts you know approximately six inches apart or whatever and then the so it's all modular then it's got shelves that uh fit on those uprights and 
and boxes. So, um, yeah, it was kind of tough um, designing that because there's so many different ways we could have gone. I mean, basically, you either have flat shelves with brackets or some sort of box. And the, the boxes that we had had some had drawers in them, some had doors, could have done open boxes or sliding doors or glass doors or, you know, all kinds of different things. So kind of what what Logan was mentioning is it's kind of a jumping off point for other people to look at and, you know, how can I change this and and make it my own and and the general construction techniques and 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 whatnot is you kind of learn from the techniques and then make it your own from there. So yeah, well, you know, the one thing I liked about that project, John, and, and like I said, I, I wrote it. Um, there's a couple of things I liked about it. First, it was walnut, and we all know I'm a sucker for that dark, luscious wood. Uh, <laughs> second is that it's definitely mid-century, but it's not like super heavy mid-century, you know? Like, right. it definitely has some mid-century vibes. I'm not a huge mid-century fan, but it definitely has some mid-century vibes. Um, just enough. And the other thing I like is that that project you could tailor to fit any sort of space that you had. Mm -hmm. So like you could put it in a living room as almost an entertainment center. You could put it in an office as a desk because there is a desk section of it. You could put it in a bedroom as like almost storage, you know, if you did Mm -hmm. drawers in it. I mean, you could really fit it in any space you really wanted to. Yeah, it could be a library area, it could be yeah. a media area, kind of kind of whatever you wanted. So I think we uh, had it more propped for like a computer desk and books and, and knick-knacky stuff. Yeah. But yeah, you can Display really kind of go thing, a lot yeah. of different directions with it. And that's what it, – it was fun to design, but it was also difficult because it was like so broad that it's like – what what direction are we wanting to go here? Where where do you draw the line as far as you know? This is what we're doing and not trying trying to do too much, you know, too many different yeah. Because I think variations, right? Because I think one of the initial briefs on it was that it was a simple wall mm-hmm. shelf, which it very well could be. You build it just you know a single module wide, and you can have a shelf. You know, you could do like an uppercase, a shelf, and a desk and mm-hmm. be done with it, and that's it. So it can be relatively simple. Or, you know, there were a lot of wall unit things that were built uh, in the 50s and 60s, and even now are contemporary versions that have, I don't know, any number of variations on what you can put on those wall yeah. standards. Yeah. And so kind of like you were saying with the, the, the outdoor kitchen is that, you know, you have your uprights, you can do two uprights and you have it 32 inches wide, or you can do 64, or keep going, you just add another upright and you can go as, as wide as you want. And so kind of make it kind of fit your space. So, you know, and to be honest with you, that would be a super easy way. Um, you know, we've recently talked about changing some stuff around in our office and, and making kind of a, you know, a library for lack of better term, you know, in our offices here in town. And that'd be a super easy way to do like library shelving. You know, if you did just a bunch of those uprights and a bunch of the shelves with it, like you could absolutely line a wall, which mm-hmm. would be kind of cool. Yeah. So the only thing 
and there's no way to get around it. There's a lot of holes to drill in those uprights. Yes. Man, there's a lot of holes in them. <laughs> yeah, I think it ended up being almost like 100 T-nuts in four yeah. uprights. So Yep, there's a lot. So a lot of holes, yeah. line boring, getting them perfectly evenly spaced and located and so i didn't have to do it so it's easy it's easy to to uh to do in the modeling program you just draw one hole and then repeat so So that's one thing i was going to ask you john like so like you said when when i build a project point a point b and then zigzagging in between Mm -hmm. And the only person I have to justify the, my decisions to are myself and my wife. Do you find that you have to justify some of your decisions to the builders ever? Uh, yeah. I, it used to be a lot worse when we had a lot more – we had design meetings like every week and you know everybody's in there <laughs> yeah. asking, why did you do it this way? Or why did you do it that way? Yeah. And it's like sometimes the answer is just like that's just the hardware I found in the drawer. You know, there's not any reason that that's there. It's just that's not what I had laying around. Which, to be fair, sometimes yeah. happens when we build stuff too. Right, and that's just real life. Or like, yeah. why did you use oak for this piece? It's like I don't know. I found a piece, a nice piece of oak in the in the pile, and so that's what I used. So you know, sometimes that's just the answer. It's just because. But sometimes yeah. there's there's reasons why, and and it's funny funny when we're building um, projects from you know, past plans for the TV show. And we're like, well, you know, why did they do it this way? This is dumb. We're going to do it our own way. And we get to the end and it's like, oh, that's why they did it that way. Yeah. You're fixing things. and Dang it. So, but, so, yeah, sometimes there's reasons and sometimes there's not. So, but, yeah, there's always justifying to, um, you know, the the builders or or whoever's writing the article. So, and and that kind of helps too. I mean, there's might be stuff that you didn't think of and you have more eyes looking at it and kind of work things out as you go. So, yeah, no. And I, I think that wasn't, you know, cause I wanted to talk to you, John, about that project and then seeing Logan over the course of the last few weeks work on his project is just, these are two very different looking pieces, but the, the path from the path they got there are very similar in that they are alive in a sense that there were decisions made because of certain factors and there were other decisions made because at some point it has to stop you know it's like chips and salsa at a mexican restaurant (laughs) they they just keep bringing them yeah it's like how do you stop do they like stop bringing them or do you die or do they they kick you out of the restaurant yeah yeah (laughs) We're, we're cutting you right. off. Yeah. yeah. So that's some of the good oh. good thing about having the deadlines for the magazine is because you could tinker around ideas forever and then nothing would ever get done. So you get to a point where you just have to sail the ship and hopefully bring it into the yeah. port at the end. Well, and yeah. and we have page counts, too, that yeah, we're right. trying to hit. You know, and there's Yeah, that was another funny thing about that because when we started out, I was like, oh, it's just a simple wall shelf and it was going to be – two to four page article and then i got it all designed out and handed off and they're like mm, that's gonna need some more pages yeah so and me who requested to only write like the short articles got yeah. one of the bigger ones i'm like what yeah. the heck guys sorry about that yeah see i thought i thought that the question from phil was gonna be about the part of oak or the the 
bundle of oak parts that were shred wrapped together that have lived in oh, the studio for a yeah, while that we just uncovered. Uh, that started, that's my project from December 2008. That's how far it got. It is, it just needs to be assembled. It's all there. So, yeah, it's it's been around the block a few times, but... So, Phil, you have one that you've been working on, too, right? Like, you are doing the same journey, and I, I was I was kind of poking fun at you yesterday about it, but you start, yeah. you picked it up again. Yeah, I have uh, – this is no surprise to any of the podcast listeners who have been following for a while, is I'm working on – here's my – here's the ultimate story of it. I'm looking for – a really cool, versatile slot mortiser for my shop to make, to simplify the mortising part of Pantor battery. <laughs> right. However, I am too cheap for said mechanical marvels that do exist because there's the multi-router and the Panto router and the, you know, whatever. So, and I enjoy making tools, whether they're hand tools or power tools or, you know, complicated jigs. Um, part of my inspiration for this is, and this is really, this, I apologize to everybody who's about to hear this. Um, there was a tool company back in the 80s, 70s and 80s, Inca mm -hmm. power tools that have a very devoted cult following very similar to the people who still drive gremlins and AMC pacers because they're about the same era. Um, and the Inca table saw was a tilting top table saw. So the arbor doesn't tilt on it, the top does. So if you're gonna you know, cut your bevels by tilting the whole top. What that allowed you to do though is joined to the arbor on one side is a slot mortiser attachment basically like a drill chuck or a router chuck sticking off the side of the saw cabinet. And there was this really simple sliding table could be adjusted in height. And then just a couple of levers to bring the workpiece into the bit and then slide it back and forth. If you search online Inca table saw, you'll find uh, several folk out there that have restored them and use them and whatever. What I like about it is that the table isn't very large and I know that it's part of the table saw, but that housing has, to me, a very compact feel to it. Uh, to the whole point that I've muscled into Chris Fitch to design a horizontal mortiser for the magazine that we wrote about, or that I wrote the article for, probably about a year and a half ago, maybe, plus or minus. It's a super cool mortiser. I used it on my workbench project. Uh, Chris has done a couple of videos on it that you'll be able to find uh, on our YouTube channel. And it's really sweet. It's just bigger than I want. So I thought that I could take the concepts of that slot mortiser, scale them down a little bit, and have something that I thought would be really cool. So I came up with a version, and you guys saw it, that I had practically done. And I did a couple of test mortises on it, and it was like, eh. I had some slop in a couple of different components and the resulting mortises weren't as smooth as I wanted. So I've evaluated it. And part of my issue is that I've tried to ask this thing to do too much. 
I wanted it to handle kind of like the everyday mortises that you would do in furniture projects. So quarter inch to three eighths inch size, mostly in three quarter inch to one inch thick material. But occasionally I build larger scale things. So I thought, well, ultimately it'd be super cool if I could get this to center a mortise in three inch thick material. So I need like essentially an inch and a half of adjustability in there. But honestly, how often am I doing that? Not very often. So I think what I'm doing is adding too many requirements to this thing for something that I want to be basically about as simple as attaching a biscuit joiner to a shop made table. So I'm going to do, I've kind of disassembled my whole thing and I'm trying to distill it down into basic capabilities, which to be honest is going to take care of 99% of my projects that I need for those other ones, you know, I'll work so on something the, else. I'll use a basic capability being centering a mortise and three, four inch stock. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. I think what I, I, I had three quarter inch, I probably one inch okay. material. Um, I've tried to decide if I want to bring it up so that I can do inch and a half, you know, if I were doing two by material, if I was doing an outdoor project, sure. cause I really like doing loose tenon joinery. I think it's a really straightforward system that really matches my head and approach. You know, I can just do two identical mortises and then make a bunch of tenon stock, super easy, bam, mortise and tenon. So rather than trying to get five inch wide mortises and in centered in three inch material, if I focus on making two inch wide mortises max centered on inch material max that takes care of a ton of yeah nine, ton of 90 percent stuff. of stuff and to be yeah. honest with you making those bigger mortises to me that's an easier process with a straight edge guy or with an edge guide and the router than making short little narrow mortises you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Like you got more support. Right. You know, this is coming from me to just build this outdoor kitchen. Um, big mortises. You got a lot of, with big stock, you got a lot of support for the base. You got a lot of room where making mortises on narrow stock, small mortises, there's a lot less room for error. So. Right. Right. And I had done a, uh, I made a, a cooler cart for a friend of mine as a Christmas gift. Um, actually, I think it was the coolest cart. John said that one long <laughs> ago, so I'm just gonna, yeah. yeah. Anyway, so it's a cooler cart and I used loose tenon joinery on that. And it was a bunch of, I think the legs, I did white oak. The legs were like two inches, but a lot of it was three quarter inch material. And I made a jig for my plunge router, but with all the various parts in there, it was a ton of mortises and it was just a lot of clamping the jig in place and lining it up and getting the router and clamping that piece into a vise to hold it in place, route the mortise, unclamp the jig, unclamp the workpiece, repeat 6,000 times. Um, so I'm looking for something that 
you know, you essentially program the router through the table and depth stops to do all those things. So it's just put the piece in, clamp it in place, route the mortise. You know, and you pop it out and you can do a bunch of identical mortises pretty easily using stops and things like that. That I just wasn't practical for me using a handheld plunge router and a jig. So there you go. Long, short story long. Okay. Well, we'll stay tuned. <laughs> yeah. So that's my, that's my goal for uh, the early part of this year is to wrap that up and maybe find something that kind of distills all those things down into a, into a compact package. And then knowing Phil, after he finishes that, the next goal is to get Christmas presents done. <laughs> right. Yeah. You got to start them early, man. You just got to start them as early as you possibly can. Otherwise your family thinks that woodworking smells like lacquer. Yeah. <laughs> Which it does, doesn't it? <laughs> So speaking of woodworking and Christmas presents, uh, I admitted in my the last podcast that I hadn't finished a couple of my projects. And so one that I'm very close to wrapping up is a clock that we did a few years ago, both on the TV show and in the magazine. So I decided to make one out of walnut and I have some really cool, I don't remember where these pieces came from. If that was stuff from you, Logan. Um, were somewhere else, but anyway, I think the the casework is really it nice. It definitely it's looks air dry, so yeah, it's got a Craftsman widening wide overhanging top that I still need to work on a little bit. But the bottom part was designed around a art tile that you would put in there. But since I've been dabbling in carving recently, I made a couple of tile blanks from some soft wood that I'm going to do some kind of simple incised carving on it to do like a, a custom tile. So I think that'll be, that'll be kind of fun to try out and just as another way to take an existing project and make it my own. Cause I think the original one we did out of white Oak, uh, we used a tile from Matawi tiles, which is an endless source of delight because they just have super cool tiles. Yeah, a small, small area like that, a small tile like that would be a great place to maybe introduce some intarsia or something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was ready that on would that be one. A great, yeah. You could see it on my face that great, I was just going to like fire yeah. off something. I could. <laughs> I was, but I mean, to be honest, though, I was just thinking that would be a good area to try your hand at a little Kumiko action. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, there. Again, it's one of those things where you know, don't be limited by what you see in a yeah. photo about a project. Like, you know, I'm into trying some carving. Kumiko would be really cool. Yeah, scroll saw or uh, intarsia would be a design cool. in there would be super cool. <laughs> <laughs> you know, or if you knew somebody who painted yeah. or drew, you know, you could just do a, yeah. or maybe a family memento or something like that that you could grandpa's ashes you could put in there right yeah yeah exactly i didn't know your grandpa smoked so, anyway <laughs> 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 
there you go. You get like 170 cigarette butts and you make a little yep. frame and then you just pour oh, epoxy in there. Gross. And then <sighs> cuz it wouldn't no, smell no. at all. Not not at all. Hmm. On that there note. <laughs> yes. Way to start out the year strong, guys. Yeah. Yeah, hey, we take a couple yep. of weeks off of podcasting and we're ready to go. Yep. Yeah. I will say I do appreciate the people who have written in asking about our holiday absence, making sure that the Shop Notes podcast does continue. And for the haters out there, I'm surprised you've made it this far through <laughs> yeah. the episode. But yes, we are. I was going to say, was it people like emailing and saying, hey, you guys finally give up? <laughs> like, <laughs> poking us with a proverbial. 100 episodes in, you guys finally quit? Jesus. They just poked us with a proverbial stick to see if we were yep. still alive. <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's got to happen. So you guys have any projects on the horizon? Yeah, I do. Either home or at work that you want to talk about? I mean, I have that stupid built-ins downstairs in my wife's office that I still haven't finished. <laughs> A year later, mm-hmm. um, right? Well, it's been three years now since I started them. I'm, I'm working on catching up to John over here. Um, yeah. No, I think for the next issue of Popwood, we're I'm going to do a something that was titled. Oh uh, well, this is coming from an antique store I was in a couple of months ago. There was something titled a watchmaker's cabinet. Now I don't know that that's what it was for a fact, but when I Google watchmaker's cabinet similar style cabinets show up. Basically, it's a chest of drawers that's, I don't know, it's called 24 inches wide, 12 inches deep, maybe a little deeper, and 18 inches tall. Four drawers, very plain, very like craftsman or mission style, but they're just, they're okay. just very shallow drawers. And when I opened it up, it had a bunch of dividers in it. So it looks like it may have held like watch parts at some time or, or parts of some kind. Um, I have also found that a similar style is also, uh, people also call like seamstress cabinets is a very similar style. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like a school, like a school cabinet, cabinet almost. Exactly. Or... Um, but I'm going to build one of those uh, for the next issue of Popwood and it's going to house my carving tools. Um, so okay. I, I've gotten a large enough collection now that I need somewhere to keep them. Um, I'm going to size it to fit those. Um, but one of those things, again, the bones are there. Do what you will with the project when it's done or build it to suit. Sure. So I think that one will be next. Um, I'm kind of, I recently got my first load of white oak out of the kiln. Thank you, Bob Reynolds. I'm pretty sure he listens to the podcast. Uh, but John is right now working on some props for our next episode of the TV show using said white oak. And it's actually pretty nice stuff. Like, mm-hmm. I, I knew it was nice when I cut it. Uh, and I cut it out of Jefferson, Iowa. Um, it was really nice when I cut it. But you kind of forget what it looks like. And as stuff air dries outside, it kind of grays and weathers and stuff. And it doesn't look that great. And I'm sure when I unloaded my truck, John was like, what the heck did you bring me? <laughs> It's actually pretty nice stock once you yeah. clean it up. So I think I'm going to use some of that, and I think it'll be kind of cool. So that's yeah. that's the next project. We'll see where the journey takes us, though. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, as I've been going through that yeah. and getting it cleaned up, I feel like a, a wood butcher, like breaking it all down and then get it cleaned up. It's like, ooh, look at this marbling in here. And, <laughs> you know, you really get to see all the, yep. the bits yeah. and pieces. Mm-hmm. So it's good stuff. Yeah, it's bur oak, which is part Correct. of the white oak family, so to speak. But sometimes white oak has kind of that gray mm-hmm. cast to it. And this stuff has a really nutty, really cool yeah. nut brown mm-hmm. color to it. Yep. So it's interesting. And it, again, I've said this a thousand times and I'll say it a thousand times more. That's one of the things I love about having sawmill and being able to cut up stuff. It's like you can't go out and commercially buy white oak. Although the Forestry Service allows burr oak, I said white oak. You can't go out and commercially say, hey, I want to buy some burr oak. You can't do that. But right. the Forestry Service allows <laughs> burr oak. It's classified as white oak, and the Forestry Service allows it to be sold as white oak. So you may occasionally run into a patch of burr oak at a lumberyard. You wouldn't necessarily know it, uh, but it's not a very common tree to be turned into lumber, at least furniture lumber, because it's, as we were talking about the other day, Phil, you said it's kind of a savanna tree. It's one of those trees that grows out in the middle of nowhere. It branches really quickly, so there's not a whole lot of saw log on it, per se, and it's going to be fairly knotty. Um, But super fun, super cool. I'm excited to to mess with it, Um, and I have three or four more logs here to cut that are bur oak still. So, yeah. Oh, wow. Sweet. John, um, I have um, now that I'm starting to settle into our house. I have like a whole like list of projects, and now I'm just trying to figure out what can I like squeeze into the magazine and have somebody yes. else build it for me, and then like do it on company time. Right. So that's just like a whole mm-hmm. mess of stuff. Just trying to work out. It's called multitasking. Right, right. I think is what you're exactly. I don't know. Or exploitation. I don't. I don't know what the right word is but yeah it's it's yeah. a gray line so so yeah just sorting it all out before i dig in and then apparently i have a a pile of project parts that are ready to assemble that have been floating around yeah that's the other thing yeah Curing. now that we're clearing out like uh, cleaning up around here we're starting to come across all the stuff that i've hidden on shelves and under stairs and so mm-hmm. yeah People don't often know this, that John has a certain magpie quality to him, that he finds little treasures and um, kind of tucks them away in different places. So, Yep. Treasures, sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. I think that wraps it up for another episode of the Shop Notes podcast. We'd love to hear your questions, comments, and smart remarks. You can do so on our YouTube channel where you can watch the Shop Notes podcast and leave comments there. You can also send them to woodsmith at woodsmith.com. Any questions, we sometimes collect those into mailbag episodes and we can do Q&A sessions on that as well. Or if you have a specific topic that warrants a little longer conversation, uh, that would be appreciated as well. Another favor that I have of all of you listening is to rate and review the Shop Notes podcast wherever you get your podcasts. That helps us to get connected to other woodworkers like you who would enjoy listening to this show. So if you could do that, I would uh, greatly appreciate it. And we can read some of those reviews at a later date. Otherwise, we'll see you next time, everybody, for the Shop Notes podcast. Bye. 
This episode of the Shop Notes podcast is brought to you by Woodsmith Plans. You'll find nearly a thousand plans covering everything that you'd want to build. From furniture projects to gift projects, kitchen accessories, workshop projects and jigs, and more. Find your next project at woodsmithplans.com.